Welcome to the SBS Digital Learning Hour, brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you today from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed Guy. You can find me out on all the social medias at Bearded Tech Ed. You can find my blog on our MySPS site under WeLearn. You can also find it on my personal site, beardedtechedguide.com. So we are available everywhere. Hopefully you are listening to us on your favorite podcasting device. A couple of news and announcements today. Edge is now available on every laptop. And by Edge, I mean the Edge Chromium, which is the one that allows students to easily log in to any of the tools that they're using with Microsoft. So anytime you have to use Microsoft to log in, if you use this new Edge Chromium browser, which every student laptop has, every teacher laptop has, every adult, every laptop in this district now has this pushed out to it. Let me tell you, this new browser is fantastic. I use it all the time. One of my favorite things in it is that it has immersive reader built directly into it. So if I am reading an article and I want to actually listen to somebody else read it to me, if it's a longer one, I can have it read to me. If I am stuck on a word, I can use the dictionary. I can even translate the web pages that I'm on and the articles that I am reading with Edge Chromium. In the Edge browser, they call it Read Aloud, and that's where you will find all of the tools. Also, what's pretty cool, if you're a Wakelet user, you can actually have a little Wakelet icon so you can Wakeletize, I just made up a word, Wakeletize, I like it, any page into any one of your own Wakelets. Wakelet is a really cool tool. Check out previous episodes and blog posts all about Wakelet for that. Also, if you missed it, the latest blog post, we've been kind of quiet because I've been working on some pretty cool projects and I have not had as much time to write as I would like, but that project is now done. It is all about Portrait of a Graduate. I'm sure you'll see more about it coming up in the future, but it allowed me to get back to doing the things I like, like this podcast and writing blog posts. And the latest blog post that is out is all about gamification, game-based learning in your classroom. And so part one is all about gamification. The reason that we're doing this on the blog is we're actually going to be doing a book study. This book is called Power Up Your Classroom, Reimagining Learning Through Gameplay by Lindsay Blast and Kate Tony. I met both of these ladies at ISTE last year and I was super excited. I got the book, I even got it signed. We're actually gonna do a study where I'm gonna break down chapter by chapter for us to help us understand better how we can use game-based learning and gamification in our classrooms and very thoughtful ways and that we can integrate the things we already do. And you probably actually even do some of these things already. But before we get into the book, I wanted to at least get everybody on the same starting page that I am on myself. So before I started reading the book, I went through and I found all of the past blogs and articles that I've written about. You realize that a few podcasts ago, we replayed some of those conversations about game-based learning and gamification so that you guys have a better understanding of where I am coming from. Since I'm not writing a book and I just have a blog and a podcast, I wanted to share all of that out before I jumped into reading the book and understanding the book. And so I am super excited that in a few weeks we'll be starting that. But before that, we're talking about what we do already know. And that's what this blog gets into. At least my 
preconceived notions of gamification. So if you're interested in reading that book along with us, I would love that. You could even comment in the comments below or wherever you listen to the podcast, you can go right there. I will even be posting these podcasts out on Bearded Tech Ed Guy and also the MySPS internal page. You can also leave comments and discussion points there. If again, if you're interested in the book, it's Power Up Your Classroom, Reimagining, Reimagine Learning Through Gameplay by Lindsay Blass and Kate Tolney. All the information will be in the show notes. I don't make money from wherever you buy it from, so I don't care where you buy it from, but I will at least put a link into Amazon because that's the most common place people buy books. So you can buy it there. You can also buy it on the ISTE website. So that's it for this week's news and announcements. Coming up next is our interview of the week. For this week's interview of the week, I am so excited to share with you my interview with Emily McKinley from Mary Pottinger School. She's a fifth grade teacher doing amazing things in the classroom, and I can't wait to share it with you. Listen to this interview and then come on back. My name is Emily McKinley, and this is my fourth year in Springfield, kind of fourth year in public education overall. I teach fifth grade at Pottinger. Before that, I was a preschool teacher for about two and a half years in Rhode Island. All right, so preschool teacher... To fifth grade, that's quite a jump. We'll get yeah. to that part first. In regards to preschool, one of the things we always hear about is in regard in thinking of technology is they don't know how to do things or you don't have access to it. So what kind of things did you have access to when you were doing preschool in Rhode Island? So the preschool that I was at was a Reggio Amelia school, kind of Montessori. Okay, I was going to say, I have same. no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the same as Montessori where we, focus, we focused on kids making their own choices with the curriculum. So we kind of just took their interests and put it into what they're learning so that they would be more focused on what we were doing every day. I worked mostly with the kindergartners, like the preschool third, four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. We didn't really get to do a lot of technology when it came to that Mm -hmm. with the kids because that kind of program is more like hands-on block-based creative artistic stuff for Mm -hmm. the kids not so much technology based yeah well there are lots of ways to also do those things with technology it just takes time to learn and they are of course littles you went from Rhode Island preschool and upper preschool to kindergarten level and then you came to Springfield have you always taught fifth grade Yes. From, I basically stopped being a preschool teacher, went back to grad school at Salem State for education. And then I threw out like observing classrooms and things like that. I just realized that I really liked the upper grades and I did my student teaching in third grade. So I was like, yes, that's a sweet spot. I'm ready to go. (laughs) When I got the interview here, it was for a third grade position, but then they actually had a change of third grade something, somebody could only work up to third grade. Yeah. So they were like, but we do have a fifth grade open. I'm a military brat. Mm -hmm. So I've moved every year and a half, two years of my life. And so I always saw big gaps because we didn't have common core back then. So I was like, oh my God, like 
I don't know fifth grade math. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be horrible. I don't know what to do. Our ILS, Kathy Marenka and our ILS, Kim Hyde uh, for math and ELA really got me up to speed so fast. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like fifth grade is like my jam. Like (laughs) I love fifth graders. I would probably go into middle school if I wasn't teaching the same thing all day, every day. Yeah. Um, I can't just teach one subject because I got to, I feel like... That would just make it you gotta stretch your such wings. a long day. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth grade is awesome because you can talk to them like they're adults. They know consequences. They know reason, but you can still connect them on that level because they, they still want you. They still want that like, oh, I want my teacher to like me so much. So I'm going to try and please her and I'm going to make connections with her and I'm going to mm-hmm. go the extra mile. So, yeah. Yeah. That lasts all the way up to May-ish. Yeah. If I remember then right, they turn into, I taught yeah. fifth grade they, for so many years. Then they turn into sixth grade and they either like, they're like, um, no, I'm not going to listen to you at all. And I'm getting out of here. Or they're like, Miss McKinley, we're going to be best friends forever. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Yep. And then they never come back. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with fifth grade in the last four years, um, so I know that we were coming to the tail end of Brightspace. Office 365 was coming into full classroom uses. So what were those early technology things? Because you didn't have much in Rhode Island based on the way that you're teaching. And then you started here. So how was that kind of a jump for you? Um, I've always been pretty technology savvy. When I was an undergrad at UMass Amherst, I actually worked for the OIT department for the Mm -hmm. campus. So I was pretty good with computers. I love technology when it comes to classroom. I think that the kids get a lot of it at home. So I try and hit things with them where... They things that they might not see so much, like simple things like Microsoft Word, <laughs> where they don't know how to type something. But when it comes to the school stuff that the teachers can use, I think it's great. It is so much, it makes everything so much easier, so much accessible. You can connect to different schools in an instant. You can collaborate with different teachers in different schools and different grades. It's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, I totally agree because being the fifth grade teacher and I always followed the... Um, the Fontas and Pinnell, it was an extremely thick book that mm-hmm. was like the size of like two dictionaries. Yeah. <laughs> but in that, they always had this, uh, for reading, you would write a letter to the teacher about what you were reading. And you always had like some questions you'd answer. When I was teaching English at the time and we didn't have the technology, that would be like, if I got behind, I'm taking like 20 notebooks home with me yeah. and then handwriting. Oh my God, And yes. I was like, oh, wish there was a better way and now that i've been doing this for the last four years i'm like there was a better way yeah <laughs> it's called one note <laughs> yeah i mean even the fact that some teachers still that i know not only just in this building but in other schools and like my friends that are teachers mm-hmm. that didn't really start with the technology they still keep like a hand grade book I'm like, oh my gosh, like why? <laughs> when you can just type it in and it figures out all your percentages for you, you don't even have to think about it. You just have to fit, click final grade and then you're done. It's great. I agree. It's such a lifesaver for real. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing when I was teaching that I was very thankful that I, because I used different uh, learning management systems along the way. So they all had grade books. So then all yeah. I had to do was look at the grade, go into power school, type in, the grade, copy and paste, whatever I needed yeah. to do. So it does, there are things that does, it does make your, I'm stuttering now. It makes <laughs> your life easier if you take the time to do them. Because like with the grade yes. book, you set it up at the beginning of the year, it's set up for it's the year. It's set up. You don't have to think about it. And then next year, because you can copy it over, if you're teaching the same grade, yeah. you 
three buttons and you've got your grades all set for the next year. Exactly. And it's so easy to just add and manipulate like different assignments and things like that. It's just awesome. And at the risk of sounding like a hippie or a visco girl, like we're saving a lot of paper here. We're saving (laughs) a lot of paper, saving a lot of trees, doing a lot more things online. Yeah. Speaking of online and things and making it easier, one of the things we were talking about beforehand, and I don't know if it actually does make it easier now that I'm saying it out loud, <laughs> but we were talking, you do a lot of project-based learning. Can you kind of explain explain it sure. for us? I love project-based learning. It's one of the things that I'm kind of known for in this school, and I love helping other teachers. So one of the things that really launched us last year that made our MCAS, science MCAS scores go up 19 points I had the kids, I sectioned off the kids into small groups. They were each given like a science unit that we hit on MCAS. Mm -hmm. Then they were assigned an old school TV show. So like Bill Nye or Sesame Street or something like that that they Mm -hmm. know of. And what they had to do is they had to research, go through old MCAS, research all the questions, the answers to all the questions so that they became experts on their subject. And once they did that, they created a script that went with their TV show to like mimic their TV show, but it's all about their science content. And then what we did was we made costumes, they had their script, we videotaped it with um, an iPad, and we turned it into movies with transitions. I showed the kids how to do transitions on the thing and cutting and editing and stuff like that. And they loved it. They had so much fun doing it and they were so invested in the work because they wanted to see that final result. And our scores went up 18 points because of it. Because of all that. Because, because they became the experts. research right. that they had to do. They worked together. They worked as a team. I know a lot of the things in Springfield, a lot of people think, well, my classes are too big. I can't do that. I'm only in there by myself. I can't do that. But if you really establish a good management or a good system or even just asking for help, Mm -hmm. I had teachers in the school who came in and worked with the other groups that I wasn't filming with. Or I had teachers that came in and helped after school with some some of the costumes and things like that. I think people are too easily, too able to like close the door and just kind of do their own thing instead of branching out and asking people that you might not think about asking to help you. And it really is about collaboration and setting those standards for those kids and having those high expectations for them. Mm-hmm. And they will they will hit them. Even if you think you have a lot of kids, I mean, I do projects in here every day. Outside in the hallway, I have a Percy Jackson project that we just did. Kids were using the laptops throughout the series. Percy Jackson, throughout this book, he's on a quest to return mm-hmm. a lightning bolt that he's accused of stealing from Zeus. And so every time I had them write a summary or paraphrase it, which hits the fifth grade standards of that month, mm-hmm. and they paraphrase it as we went. So I graded it as we went along. And then I showed them, okay, we're going to download these newspaper templates online and you're going to copy and paste and you're going to put in pictures and things like that. So they were able to utilize the technology in the classroom, the things that they might use every single day, mm-hmm. along with their interest in the book to create gossip rags for the gods. <laughs> and they loved it. They they had like such a great time doing it. It was a lot of work. It took a long time because we had to hit the standards, but we also had to make sure that we we're finishing the project. Right. So I'm not going to say that these are easy, but in the end, it's, it's more than worth it mm-hmm. because the kids have such a higher understanding of what they just did and what they're doing. Yeah. 
that it shows it reflects on tests, it reflects in their conversations, it reflects in their problem solving with other connections of of other subjects. All around, it's so much better. And speaking of the science one, it sounds like you could have done science, call it like ELA science, because of all the work that they were doing, not just to the research for the science part, but they were also having to write the scripts. Exactly. So that is really also hitting a lot of the standards. Yeah. So so with project-based learning, you end up hitting a lot of standards altogether Mm -hmm. based upon what's... Absolutely. The you goals go, yes. are and the objectives are of mm-hmm. that project. Absolutely. You go cross-curriculum, which is the best way for kids to learn because they see those connections. If you have everything isolated, that's why, like I said, I don't really like middle school <laughs> because it's like if I did middle school English, but I want to do projects like that, they'd be like, but this isn't science class. This isn't, you know, you'd get backlash somewhere. Somebody would be upset. Somebody would be upset, whether it was the kids or the parents or the administration somewhere. <laughs> Um, but being able to hit cross curriculum is the best thing to do. We did another science project where, um, they had to choose two animals and research papers are new for fifth graders. Mm -hmm. You know, they just think that they Google and it's that little box, the first little box that pops up on Google. Yes. (laughs) And they're like, I'm going to get all my information from there. No, please don't. So you have to teach them how to research, how to use the computers, how to use the technologies for their benefit. So they had to choose two different animals. They had to research both animals, all their adaptations, their environment, habitat, Mm -hmm. everything, write a research paper. Then they had to combine, pick and choose different adaptations to combine to create a brand new animal. Mm -hmm. Once they combined it, They had to write a fictional narrative of how they found it, what their habitat is, basically information from their research, Mm -hmm. but make it a fun writing for them. And then we actually sculpted them out of clay to make 3D models. And we connected Mm -hmm. that to how animators in Disney worked with Pixar. Mm -hmm. So if we had like a 3D printer, you know, we talked about how we would connect that and Mm -hmm. actually digitally scan it into... Right. The computer and turn that into a movie and things from things like that. So mm-hmm. they you, were, hear, you heard it here first. Ponder needs a 3D printer. <laughs> oh my God, please. <laughs> yes. I would love that. What I love about project-based learning is, and it comes back to what you just said. As I'm listening, I'm like, well, we've hit the science standards. We've hit many English standards. You hit some of the art standards. And I know this year is the first year that in Springfield – all elementary schools are getting music and art. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't been the norm. It's nice to see all these things coming together. Mm-hmm. And by the way, one of the things I loved about fifth grade was the literature. Yes. I actually still read it. I just finished <laughs> the Apollo book four, which oh, came out recently. Right up there. I'm totally blanking on the name. Yeah. Um, but it was the series after the Greek and the Roman series. Yes. So... We, I have um, to start the um, the Thor one soon. So yes. Magnus Chase. Oh, uh, so. my nephew loves that. So. Loves them. But yeah, we. I did a... This year I helped third grade. They came up to me and said, we need help coming up with a project, a math project to connect our ELA and math. Mm-hmm. So they were working on adding and subtracting three-digit numbers okay. for third, at the beginning of third grade. Mm-hmm. And they had just read Chocolate Touch. Okay. So I came up with a project for them where they were chocolatiers and they were given 
um, almost, I created a whole like shopping, you know, like the big Y shopping mm-hmm. thing. So I printed them on big paper. They were all in color. So they got excited. They had all the prices and everything. And then they were given booklets that I created of standards that they had to hit for each section. Like you have to pick a certain amount of ingredients that are mm-hmm. fresh ingredients, certain type of chocolate, how much mm-hmm. are all the ingredients with chocolate, how much are, you know, you could pick all these fillings, you could pick all this candy, but you were only mm-hmm. given a certain amount to, of money, quote unquote, to start with. Right. So it's hitting math, it's hitting ELA, it's making that connection of science of how, you know, cooking mm-hmm. with the elements, with um, states of matter, where they have to think about, you know, if they melt down the chocolate, what happens when they put it with this cold thing is what's going to happen here. Right. So you're hitting all three of those standards. And it was a lot of work. I went into mm-hmm. their third grade for about a week, a week and a half into the three classrooms and helped them out. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a collaboration. You have to ask people for help because mm-hmm. it is going to take a long time if you try and do it by yes. yourself. So, and I'm glad you just mentioned math too, because as we're, as reflecting on what we've been talking about, it's like, well, math is really the only subject that hasn't come up because with English reading and writing, that's easy enough to bring in social studies Mm -hmm. and geography and science we've talked about, but it was really the math. So how have you worked with the math, especially knowing that we've got new math curriculum this Mm -hmm. year with project-based learning? So with math, it's especially in fifth grade, the math is hard. Yes. It's all, it's that branching grade where you're sort of building off of concepts from third and fourth grade that if they don't have down with, when it comes to math, I like to incorporate music mm-hmm. more. I actually have had kids make music videos in the past where they're given some kind of math standard and they have to write up again, a script or a song. Mm-hmm. They can choose any song that's appropriate for school. Um, and then they kind of replace, I taught them how to replace the lyrics so that they fit in with that song. Mm-hmm. For instance, there's one for order of operations that I had given them as an example, which is, oh my gosh, we haven't done that this year yet. So I can't think of it off the top <laughs> of my head. It's but right. it's I'm a, not going to pressure you to okay. sing either. So. <laughs> it's a... Um, Oh my gosh, why can I think of that song? I don't know. But it was a popular song that all the kids knew. Oh, we did one this year all about that bass with um, like bass 10 mm-hmm. place value that the kids really liked. So I like to incorporate more either me giving examples throughout the year and them learning the songs. And then right before MCAS, what I like to do during the review is again give them a standard and challenge them. Okay, you've mm-hmm. seen me do this throughout the year. You've learned these songs, you know the process. Right. Try it yourself. Mm-hmm. And they really do rise to the occasion. They're so excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, we one did like a 90s salt and pepper song, Push It. <laughs> and they were talking about pushing the decimal up onto like the roof of the division house. Last year, they came in with like the big chains and the 90s outfits and we videotaped it. It was awesome. And they, you can tell like the kids that are invested, they do so much better with everything. Mm-hmm. And that's also the key with project-based learning is that it gets the students engaged mm-hmm. in the lesson. Because a lot of times we see engagement as everybody is doing what I'm saying. Right. Versus they're excited about what they're learning. So they are pursuing it themselves. Right. And if you um, – a big thing that I really connected to was in grad school was that knowledge, that knowledge of everyone has those different – ways of learning. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So kids that maybe aren't good 
at math, if you do a project-based learning, even though it incorporates math, they're still getting to be creative and show their strengths Mm -hmm. by building up their weaknesses or vice versa. If they're not really good at science and they're good at ELA, well, they're still hitting those science standards and they're still strengthening their weaknesses, but they're able to shine and not feel like they're losers Mm -hmm. or they don't know what to do or they feel stupid, which is huge in this district. I feel like kids are, they have no confidence in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure where that came from. You know, I don't know yeah. where that's coming from. They come in and they're like, I'm stupid. I can't do this. I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. You just mm-hmm. have to, as silly as it sounds, believe that you can do it. Which mm-hmm. led to another science conversation about how mm-hmm. your mind literally blocks you to be able to do it if you keep thinking that you can't. So mm-hmm. it's building up their confidence. It's showing them that no matter what their weaknesses are, they're still able to do something to contribute to a project, mm-hmm. especially if it's in a small group. Yeah. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Is there anything you're looking forward to trying this year that you haven't, or maybe you've learned now and you're going to implement next year? I think one thing that I really want to bump up is doing more projects with math mm-hmm. um, because I do do the songs, but at times I feel like kids just kind of get stuck. I also want to do more of more of the science projects where they're actually building Mm -hmm. um i would love to do like something maybe with the city or something where we do they're actually building with like wood and materials and things like that i saw an awesome video about a school in the south in georgia same demographics as us same everything they were supervised and they had volunteers and they had all this construction and everything donated but kids actually made their own interactive small mini playground So they got to use the power tools, they got to use the hammers, Mm -hmm. they got to use all the stuff, but they're learning about engineering as they're doing it. And they're invested in it because they get to play with it after. Right. I would love to do something like that. That would be sweet. That would be. (laughs) Yeah, and you guys have the room too. I know the park's right across in the back, but there's still plenty of room. Right. So So final question. It's always the big one that everybody gets a little nervous about. Anytime... That new people are hired into the district. They have to go through what's called new hire orientation. You went through it. I went through it. If you're still teaching in this district, you went through it or you were supposed to. And during that time, a lot of information is shared. A lot of, a lot happens during that time. And most of it ends up going out the window. Mm -hmm. If you had the opportunity to be there and share some advice. And since we're recording it, they can listen to it anytime they want versus (laughs) you actually having to stand in front of them and say it, what advice would you give them? This is new to Springfield, either brand new teaching or they've been teaching for a while and are coming here. I would say the first thing that pops to my mind is find somebody in the school, whether they're in your grade level or not, that has a positive energy that can support you, whether it's emotionally or in your classroom or after school or help you with your standards or somebody that you can make a good connection with. And it's hard. you got to put yourself out there. So if you're not an outgoing person, but it, it's well worth it because when I was sitting there my first year and I'm like, oh my God, I have to teach fractions. I don't even remember how to add fractions. I don't know what to do. I mean, now I'm killing it. We got it. We got it going on. But <laughs> at that time, I was like, I was having panic attacks because I thought I was all alone. And it took me to break out of my shell a little which anybody who hears this is going to be like, what shell? But when you're around new people, it's it's awkward. Mm-hmm. 
find somebody that you make that connection to in the school that is positive. There, you know, you get run down throughout the day. You get those moments where you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I a teacher? It can get really negative and frustrating and isolated your first couple years because you're in your head and you're overwhelmed. You need to find somebody that sees the sunlight and and gets you excited and keeps that excitement for you. Because if you don't, then it's just going to kind of be like a downward spiral. So that would be mine. Well, that's some great advice for our listeners. Thank you again for taking time out of the middle of your day. Thank I'm you so sure much. that you have plenty of other things that you could be doing. So. <laughs> I do, but this is great. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you again for allowing me to come and spend some time talking with you in your classroom. I was super excited to be there. I don't know if the listeners could tell, but we shared a lot of common bonds, especially in regards to reading. I mentioned that I had just finished reading Trials of Apollo at that time. Fantastic book series. I love Rick Riordan's books and quite frankly, your fifth graders and sixth graders and fourth graders, they love them too. So if you are not using them in the classroom or you don't have access to them for your students, you should definitely talk to your PTO about it to get those books into your school library or into your classrooms. One of the things I really loved about when I was talking with Emily is the real focus on holistic project-based learning. Not where it's where it's English class and we're gonna do this project based around all these English standards and all that, but really looking at it through the lens of math, science, social studies, art, music, of course, English too, and writing, and just bringing that all together for the students and ways that students can connect to their content authentically and in ways that are fun and engaging for the students. Engagement is more than just a compliance thing, it is students really wanting to learn, and it sounds like she has that going on. And so I'm super excited about that. One of the other things I love that she mentioned was how the technology tools are really helping her on the teacher side. So not just with the students being able to do a lot of the project-based learning that she's doing, but really helping her manage her classroom, whether that's using the teacher notebook or the teacher grade book with PowerSchool and just having it all there so when she puts grades in, it does the math for her and it's done. There's a lot of great tools that can help teachers out there. I definitely am one who loves to share them and loves to help teachers learn how to use them authentically and in real ways. Mad props to Emily. We're so excited, we can't wait to hear what's going on in the future. And like I joked about in the interview, if you wanna get her and their school a 3D printer, they would be more than excited for that. So thank you again. As we begin to wrap up today, I just want to thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this podcast, the SPS Digital Learning Hour. If you love this episode, please go over to wherever you listen to us. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Make sure that that subscribe button is hit because the more subscribes, the more reviews, the more people who have the ability to hear what we are talking about and how awesome and amazing Springfield teachers are. If you're a teacher in the district and you would love to be interviewed for this podcast or you know someone who would be great to be interviewed, I'd love to hear that too. Please let me know. You can email me directly at thomasmi at springfieldpublicschools.com. If 
you have not done this yet, you should definitely share this podcast out with the rest of your building, the rest of the world, share it out everywhere so that everyone can hear what's going on. Thank you again. My name is Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed Guy, and this is the SPS Digital Learning Hour.